I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome to another edition of the Conference USA Underdog Podcast here on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Uh, as the season gets closer and closer, rolling out a few more team previews for you. And uh, a lot of you thought we were going to forget North Texas. Definitely can't do that considering how, uh, how good they're predicted to be this year and uh, the comprehensive body of work of Seth Luttrell, Mason Fine, and the Mean Green down there in Denton. Uh, as always, Joe Londrigan joining you here today with uh, my good buddy, Eric Henry. Eric, we haven't had a chance to exchange the usual formalities pre-recording here. How are you doing today? <laughs> yeah, the past few podcasts have kind of been a bit of a whirlwind, but I'm all right, man. The weather's finally nice enough that I'm out here on the deck. Uh, it rained earlier today, but it's not necessarily muggy. we got a little bit of an overcast sky out right now, so I can... Hang it on the deck, enjoy a uh, iced coffee, and join you, sir. So, all in all, can't complain. Awesome, sounds like a really good day there. Hope you hope you have a good weekend here, and uh, that weather carries on. Uh, but before that, I have another guest on today to help us cover the Mean Green and what to expect from them in 2019. He covers the Mean Green for uh, two four seven Sports. Also does some high school stuff over at the uh, Denton Record Chronicle. Um, you can find him on Twitter at Matthew Brun underscore. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-B-R-U-N-E underscore. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for your time and welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, won't, uh, won't really mince words here as we get into covering the, uh, you know, this team that's uh, predicted to win the conference and um, got really close uh, last year, if not for that that push by UAB and CUSA West. Uh, in 2008, yeah. uh, North Texas's defense especially exceeded expectations a lot of, in a lot of ways. We'll get to the offense, but uh, how was that defense able to um, you know, do so much better than I think a lot of people, including myself, thought they would in 2018? Yeah, it was, it was a shocking year in a way because last – Two years of Seth Luttrell, or the first two years of Seth Luttrell, the defense was pretty abysmal. But then last year for the defense to take the step that it did, it was really behind the linebackers of EJ Agia and Brandon Gardner on the inside and the havoc they were able to impose on opposing quarterbacks. Um, and then with the pressure they were able to get to the quarterback, I mean, you had Kimon Hall and Nate Brooks on the outside at cornerback, and they just – physically were able to hold up against receivers on the outside in man for a lot of uh, a lot of the season. You match that with Kyrie Muhammad as uh, at safety and a lot of continuity um, along the defense with uh, defense coordinator Troy Reffitt, and it really made for a defense that hit hit on all strides last year. I mean, they won North Texas a lot of a lot of games, and while Mason Fine got a lot of headlines 
and for good reason, the defense was probably um, the MVP or at least co-MVP of, the, of that team last year. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, speaking of Mason Fine, you know, from the time this kid was uh, a senior in high school, he's been outperforming expectations due to his, his size, the system he plays in, anything you want to throw at him. Um, and obviously with the, his college career coming to a close here, there's some talk about what he can do post-college with just the way NFL offenses run now. What, in your opinion, is his ceiling after this season? Yeah, his ceiling is really difficult to find because, you know, he's a 5'11 quarterback. He doesn't have the Kyler Murray, you know, speed or anything like that. But he's just really precise and really accurate and really smart. And I think that alone will make him draftable um, if he has the season that I expect him to have this year, which is better than what he's had the last two years, which would really elevate him. So I expect him to be drafted. Um, after that, it's it's going to be interesting because we saw, like, you know, Western Kentucky, Mike White, guys like that from Conference USA get, um, get spots on teams because, you know, they're more prototypical quarterbacks and stuff like that. And Mason – isn't really prototypical in a lot of ways, even though he's really good at finding the open man, hitting him with precision, you know, and all that stuff. He still has quirks to his game that are atypical in ways. And um, not only in his decision-making, but, you know, his, his footwork and his, his decisions and everything like that. A lot of what he does is unique. So I'm interested to see how he does at the next level as well. I do think that he'll get a shot. And I think that, um, I think he'll he'll be able to make the most of it. Now, I'm not sure how for his ceiling. It's it's going to be a it's going to be tough because, it, like I said, he's only five eleven. He doesn't have great mobility, but he's just so smart. I can't see him not getting a shot at the next level. That kind of intellect is uh, certainly important to succeed at the uh, professional level. So we'll see what the preseason offensive player of the year is able to do in 2019 and beyond. Uh, Matthew. Looking ahead to UNT's schedule this year, um, several really intriguing non-conference games for North Texas in there, uh, four to be exact, um, three of which with um, Cal, Houston, and um, SMU on there. Really some interesting battles coming up for the Mean Green. Which of those is the most intriguing for you and why? Man, um, SMU sticks out. But it's either SMU or Houston, and I'm going to go with SMU largely because that win, if they can beat SMU for a second year in a row and do that in Dallas on the road, that would I feel like it would do wonders for this team. Like It would do wonders for them not only because it's week two and it's SMU, your big brother, on the road, but what the confidence that they can get from that game and going into Cal and Houston and um, going into conference play I feel like is huge. And also, it's big for recruiting. I mean, you're recruiting against those guys all the time. Like, we always see recruits with offers from UNT and SMU. Like, it's not uncommon at all. And last year, UNT, I mean, destroyed uh, SMU. They were up, I believe it was 36-0 to zero at one point. And, but I feel like SMU kind of saw that as a, as a fluke in a way. So, they... Both teams will be high-powered. I mean, we know SMU has Shane Bouchel and, and whatnot, but that's going to be the game for me that I look at and be like, okay, this team is is going to do something really special. And even if they lose, they still can you know, beat Houston or Cal or whatnot 
and have a special season, but that would be the first indicator for me. Interesting. So as fall camp is kind of, uh, well, we're in the heat of it right now. Um, with that offense, there's been some talk of tight ends and their role within that offense kind of changing a little bit. Um, can you shed a little more light on that? And um, in what ways are we going to see uh, tight ends be a more or less active part of this offense at, uh, in the coming season? Yeah. Um, Coach Luttrell, throughout his time as an offensive coordinator and all that stuff, he had good relationships with you know guys like Mike Walsh um, and guys like that. And he has really taken to the idea of using more versatile sets. So more versatile 12-man sets in that using one tight end, two tight ends, and using the lineups to explore different options, whether that's RPOs or whether that's using tight ends more in the run game, pass game, all that type of stuff. He is intent on making the most out of versatile packages more so this year. And so he brought in offensive coordinator Bowie Reader, and they have a tight end in Kelvin Smith, who I think is going to be one of the top two or three tight ends in the conference this year. And he had 29 receptions last year, so that's pretty good um, in itself. But I think he can get up to the 40 reception range, and then that'll open up the field, I feel like, for some of the slot guys who are really talented. And then even on the outside, Rico Bussey. So I think that they're just trying to get more versatile. They're trying to get more um, – more options out of sets this year. And that's what I think using the tight ends will do for them. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, as we've said several times, the production that this team has been able to achieve the last couple of seasons, uh, particularly on offense has been really impressive and um, programs all around the country have kind of taken note as evidenced by people trying to lure Seth Luttrell away from that job came uh, really close according to, you know, a lot of people out there and according to himself, really, um, in terms of taking that Kansas State job that opened up at the end of last season, I believe it was. Um, so obviously that's happened a couple of times in his tenure and uh, it's inevitable with a lot of G5 coaches. So Matt, in your opinion, how soon until Seth Luttrell uh, heads on to a P5 job do you think? If they win nine or more games this year, I think it's after this year. I um I definitely would believe that, but I also thought last year when Kansas State and other schools were courting him, I thought that there was a very good chance that he was going to be gone. This year, if they win nine or more games, and especially if they win their bowl game, that's always been a big thing for this team is win the bowl game. So if they win the conference title or win a bowl game or even both, I think there's a very very good chance that he is um he's gone, and it wouldn't even I don't even think it'd be in bad blood or anything. I think that everyone kind of understood even last year when he was courting jobs. I mean, we talked to Mason, Mason Fine last year, and he was just like, you know, he has to do what's best for his family. And there was, there was never a sense of, you know, oh, this guy's leaving us, you know? So Mason is going into a senior year. They have a lot of seniors on this team. It's going to be a very, very, very important year in terms of urgency as well. And I think that all of that combined, and if they have a good year, if they win nine or more games, including a bowl win, I think that I could see him leaving. One last question for me before I hand the mic over to uh, Eric here. Um, you mentioned that, like, you know, the communication and the relationship that Latrell and uh, Mason Fine and this senior class seem to have. Do you think wanting to kind of see them out has really factored into his decision to stay? I, I think so. I believe so. I think that that 
I think that winning a bowl game, which they haven't done yet, I think that winning the conference, I think that all of that type of stuff has played into Latrell staying for another season. I think that the relationships that he's built here, and I think that the potential he feels like there still is for this team. That's why there were so many, while they lost so many um, position coaches and all, the offensive coordinator from last year, they brought in a lot of guys that Latrell really has high expectations for. And also I think Latrell could be calling more of the plays this year. So he's going to have his hand in a lot more of the stuff this year, because I think that he knows like, this is, this is a senior class you can't miss with. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how urgent they are going into this year. So Matt, just going to jump in here. We've talked about the success that North Texas has had over the past three years. They haven't been able to close the season with a bowl game win, but they also have been able to win Conference USA. So let's just go ahead and ask this question up front. What's the number one thing that'll stop UNT from winning the conference this year? It's got to be their defense. Like I said, last year, so much rode on those inside linebackers and those two cornerbacks. And all four, I mean, all four of them were all conference players. They were terrific. They're probably four of the top six players on their defense last year. And so replacing those guys right off the bat is going to be um, a sign for concern. But they did replace a lot of those guys with graduate transfers and younger guys that have shown a lot of potential. The two linebacker positions are still – the two inside linebacker positions are still very uh, – I don't want to say concerning, but kind of, you know, we have to see what they're going to do. So those that position – and then, I mean – Last year, offensively, they still weren't a juggernaut. They were still inconsistent at times. So we still need to see this offense be consistent for full games, you know, and explosive for full games as well. So I think that those two things are still things that we need to take into account before I start, you know, dubbing this team as the far and away conference favorites. There's still some holes on this team that, that need to be addressed. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Going to take it away from UNT here for a quick second. And you did a really phenomenal comprehensive Conference USA preview, and we'll give you a chance to plug that at the end of this episode. But just want to ask you really quick as a follow-up to that question, who do you potentially see – it's a two-part question – who do you potentially see as the biggest competition for North Texas in the West, and who do you potentially see coming out of the East Division? Yeah, so in the West, we all know it's really open, I guess. Even though North Texas got 20 of the 26 – media votes for first place. I still consider UAB, LaTeX, and Southern Miss all to be right there. And even though UAB lost cornerback uh, Bronte Harris, announced, which was announced earlier today, just like 30 minutes ago, I still think they have some top-end talent. But I would consider, man, Southern – I'd consider Southern Miss probably the top the top contender just because of their defense. They have so much back. I mean, you, you look at – they're all conference teams, the preseason teams, and I think Southern Miss had a 
a wealth of talent on that uh, on that list on the defense side of the ball. Louisiana Tech, I think, will be good too. I just I'm nervous to see how they do without Jalen Ferguson. So I'll say Southern Miss, top contender in the West, and then the East. I'll say I picked FIU to win um, the East. I still think Marshall and FAU can do some special things, but I'm going to say FIU simply because I I like James Morgan as quarterback. Yeah, well, you know, that's a guy I get a chance to see up close and personal every day, so I can't uh, can't deny James the talent for the quarterback. Uh, bring it back to UNT for a second. Uh, they've been able to do some, you know, really interesting things recruiting-wise, and I just want you to talk about recruiting in the state of Texas. You've seen some of the other uh, G5 programs, <clears throat> excuse me, programs like Rice and others kind of have their own recruiting philosophy, and I was just wondering, can you talk about UNT's recruiting philosophy uh, in the state of Texas and in general, and what have they made a priority under Seth Luttrell? Yeah, so Coach Luttrell has connections in Oklahoma, obviously playing there, and then he also has connections in Texas, you know, coaching in Love, coaching in Lubbock, and all that stuff. But I think he does a good job of getting his assistant coaches that have experience coaching in Texas and recruiting in Texas already. For example, cornerbacks coach uh, Clay Jennings, who they brought in, has coached at I think seven other Texas schools. Um, in his in his uh, career, colleges, Texas colleges. And so coaches like that, I feel like just bring in a wealth of knowledge that help Coach Luttrell and help, you know, offense coordinators, help the recruiting director and all that stuff. I think that just kind of a uniform knowledge of what they're going for really helps them. And obviously the success that they've had and the, just Coach Luttrell's kind of aura of being a successful coach so far in his young career really help them um, recruit. And then also they have, you know, Apathy Stadium is only seven years new. And the, they're building a an indoor practice facility, which will help as well. So all of that, I think, will um, help them get top-end recruiting classes. And I think that as far as players they target, you know, everybody will obviously target the top-end players and whatnot. If I had to pick like a play style or anything like that, it's I think it's more so it's, they look for smart players more than anything. And I don't and in Texas you have so much talent in the DFW area. There's so much talent that I think you can really be picky on who you select. So I think that that's probably the the main um, archetype I'd say. Well, I mean you can't argue with this philosophy because it's certainly. Uh, manifested itself in a lot of victories from North Texas over the past couple of years. Uh, just take it, you know, on, on, on a kind of a off the field atmosphere for a second here. Conference USA, you know, anyone who follows this league as close as we do, you'll know that there's kind of a varying degrees of fan bases. I mean, you have your hardcore intense uh, fan bases at some places and some, uh, they're a little more wider scale. Just talk about the atmosphere in Denton and, and fan support for UNT. Yeah. It's, if I if you would ask me this question two years ago, I would say North Texas was way more on the, you know, more dispersed fans and not as into it fans. Um, but I think success obviously brings a lot of fans and a lot of unity in a community. So with the success that they've been able to have, you'll see the stadium almost filled up. You'll see 30,000 people in the stadium. You'll see a lot more uh, – green and white flags you'll see a lot more jerseys you'll see a lot more tailgating and all that stuff and while i don't think denton texas is still i don't think they are extremely overwhelmed by the 
by the success North Texas has because North Texas has been good in the past, 2013, 14, and whatnot. They still are kind of hesitant to go all out for for this team because who knows? Seth Patrol could be gone next year. Mason Fine will be gone next year. So it's always going to be, a, and that's with any group of five school, really. I mean, if the success isn't there in large part, the fan support won't be there. But I think Denton is definitely improving. I think that they're learning a lot. I think that they're becoming a bigger and bigger um, attraction for fans. So, and like I said, if they beat SMU this year, I can definitely see that skyrocketing even more. Uh, just out of curiosity, what would you say, you know, for example, here in Florida, uh, you know, you got your big three, your Florida, Florida State, Miami. And as a graduate of UCF, when I first got to UCF in 2011, this is before the uh, Blake Bortles mm-hmm. era and obviously before the Scott Frost era, you walk on campus and you'd see uh, a fair amount of UF uh, sweatshirts and hoodies and fair amount of UM, you know, attire. Um, yeah. What is the, the preeminent um, maybe big school in Texas? As far as Denton, what what seems to be the allegiance that you see the most? Uh, maybe not necessarily on campus, but just around Denton as a whole. Yeah, I feel like anywhere in Texas will always will always have a UT and A and M. You'll see those shirts and jerseys everywhere just because they're UT and A and M. Around Denton, though, you still have. I mean, you're close to Oklahoma still. Okay. <laughs> you're only about a forty minute drive from the border of Oklahoma, so it's you'll see that too, and then. You you have the competition with SMU there too, so it's it's kind of a mixture of a bunch of things. But um, I definitely think that UNT starting you're starting to see more more and more green as far as percentage wise goes around in. Then final question I got here for you: Who's a name that you know maybe Conference USA fans not know from uh, UNT's roster heading into this year that we need to know or that we will know by the end of the season? Yeah, uh, we talked about tight end usage more. I definitely think Kelvin Smith, who is by far North Texas' best tight end, I think he's going to be a top two to three tight end in the conference. I have him actually making the second team all-conference, so that's how highly I think of him. Um, He's probably my main one. If I had to pick another one, I'd say this. um, Replacing Jalen Guyton on the opposite side of Rico Bussey is Greg White. I think he's going to have a very solid year as well. And just to throw a third one in there, I think Cam Johnson at cornerback. So replacing those two cornerbacks, I'd say Cam Johnson will have a very good year as well. So Kelvin Smith and Greg White and Cam Johnson. And before I go ahead and send it back to Joe, uh, how you you and I actually ended up getting linked up is, you know, you kind of contacted me about your comprehensive CUSA preview and want to give you a quick second here to kind of go ahead and uh, plug that, let the people know what you got going on there. Yeah, so at meangreen247.com, uh, I like the 24-7 or a branch of 24-7 sports. We're only about a year old. Um, we're doing a bunch of stuff with North Texas. We're trying to get bigger. We're trying to, you know, do more video stuff, photo stuff, preview stuff, conference stuff. So check us out, MingGreen247.com. Um, you can check check my Twitter out. You can check MingGreen247 also has a Twitter. Um, yeah, we're just trying to do – as much as we can for North Texas and Conference USA because it's going to be a big year for North Texas, so we need uh, we need all hands on deck. Definitely need to check that out. Matt, before we start wrapping the show up, one of the things that we uh, we like to have fun with, uh, with each guest that comes on the show, um, if you've listened to the show before, you know that Eric and I both uh, enjoy, enjoy the food every once in a while. That's how we 
uh, we that's what we spend most of our time talking about when we're not talking about football. So uh, give us a few spots that are must uh, must stops when we visit Denton for a football game. All right. Um, one that automatically sticks out is going to be Roosters downtown in Denton. That's a very good barbecue place. I'm not going to say it's top top notch, but I I just enjoy it because you know not too expensive. I'm still a college student, so I gotta mm-hmm. eat where I can. I think that. Any place in downtown Denton, the the square, I think you can't really go wrong. Roosters is my favorite barbecue place there. They have ice cream places there. If you're in Denton, just that that square area is really nice, especially at night. I mean, it's a uh, can't really go wrong with it. A lot of people are there. LSA Burger is another place that's a popular place in the square of Denton. So anywhere in that square, I think you'll be you'll be uh you'll be fine. Awesome, mouth's watering already. Haven't made it to uh, haven't made it to Abogee Stadium yet for a game, but uh, definitely on my list as are several yeah. stadiums within within CUSA. Yeah, so uh, we'll have to we'll have to make that happen at some point. Um, yeah, it's a it's a nice stadium. It's a, only about seven or eight years old, so it's still uh, still shiny. <laughs> is that the is that the newest stadium within CUSA so far? I believe so. I'm I'm pretty sure. I'd have to go double check that, but I'm I'm pretty sure. Okay. I know ODU has well, those renovations going on, but yeah. There you go. Yeah, I was gonna say as long as we're not counting uh, ODU, I believe you hit the nail on the head there, guys. Right. Yeah. N- newest stadium that's had a game played in it so far. You you are correct that as of this year, yeah. it will be the the newest. Um, perfect. Uh, Matt, once again, you, uh, you mentioned that, um, you got the COSA preview, all your work for two, four, seven and, and Denton record Chronicle, uh, remind us where we can find you on social media one more time. Yeah. Twitter. It's at Matthew Bruni, B-R-U-N-E underscore. And, um, yeah, I don't use Facebook too much, but Matthew Bruni on there too. I'm trying to use Facebook more because, you know, I wasn't. I, you know, I'm still kind of young, so I wasn't using it much as a as a kid. Twitter is the first thing I went to. I can definitely relate to that. I find myself on Facebook uh, pretty much not at all at this point, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can relate. It's not it's not really a program that the uh, or not really a platform rather where the younger generation is gravitating towards right now, which is uh, part of the reason why I'm not. I don't really feel compelled to use it. But anyway, that's. Sure. That's a whole separate podcast that we could get into on that. But uh, before we wrap up, I want to say thank you to Matt once again for coming on the show. Uh, thanks to Eric Henry, of course. You can find Eric on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. And uh, I'm on there at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. And uh, be sure to follow at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter as well. Like them on Facebook, as I just got done bashing the hell out of Facebook, but that's okay. Um Dynasty.com uh, for more G5 football content uh, and the build-up to the 2019 season and, of course, all throughout the season. Um, have a few more of these team previews coming up as well as some more CUSA news uh, wrap-ups and uh, should be getting one big comprehensive preview with uh, mine and Eric's predictions for the upcoming year before uh, that first kickoff on, uh, on Labor Day weekend as well. So be on the lookout for that. And... Um, with that, uh, make sure that you are subscribed on iTunes if you're not already. Um, leave a review. That really helps us grow. And um, I didn't even know this until last week. We're on Spotify as well. So good job, me. 
Um, but check us out on Spotify. And um, from what I understand, we're having a little bit of an issue with newer episodes showing up on Google Play. So sorry if that's your preferred platform. We're uh, working on fixing it. And uh, with that, we'll say thank you once again. Have a great rest of your day and happy football watching, everybody. Thank you.